You're listening to the Build Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports, the place to watch the entire Summit League Softball Championships this weekend with every game from first pitch to last out live. Don't miss the action over the next four days from Brookings as a champion is crowned, all on Midco Sports and streaming on Midco Sports Plus. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. We are taping this on a Wednesday, May the 10th. Alex Heinert, Bill Shaves, and special guest Bill, Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wister still joining us today. Tom, it's great to see you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know we got to know each other a little bit when we were on the NCAA Division I Council and uh, always valued uh, your perspective on, on a lot of things, and uh, we've stayed in touch since. So uh, it's, I, I thought it was timely to potentially get your views on a couple things uh, that are interesting. And it seems like we're going to have a little bit of a cross-section between the Summit League and Big Sky, but that, that'll be a later question. But I'm going to start with this. So three questions for Tom is, number one, I, I don't know of the 32 commissioners, you might be one of the few that actually was an athletic director and now is a commissioner. And you might know that uh, how many that are actually in that, uh, that vein, so to speak, but give me the differentials and kind of how that's worked and, uh, and how that helps you uh, on the day-to-day level. Yeah. Well, first of all, Bill, thanks for having me. Great to see you, Alex. Good to meet you. Appreciate you guys and uh, the work you're doing up there in Grand Forks and, uh, and, and Bill, the great job you're doing there at UND. Um, you know, it's uh, um, being a commissioner is an interesting role, uh, and uh, and like you said, I guess I'm I think I'm one of three or four uh, commissioners of 32 that have been athletic directors. Um, and uh, first of all, I think it gives me a huge advantage as a commissioner having sat in the chair like you have there at, at UND. Um, just that that's that campus perspective of you know sometimes when you get away from campus you can think oh we can do this this and this and yeah, this will be really easy and uh, on campus most of the ads will be looking at you like easy what, what do you mean that's easy you know I got to go to the provost for this and then I got to go to the CFO and then the general counsel's office got to get involved and I haven't even started with anybody in the athletic department yet and so um, so I think that's a unique perspective there when you become a commissioner. The jobs are very different. Uh, there's pros and cons to both. Uh, the way I the way I tell people about that, ask me about when you're an AD, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. You know, you get that huge win against a rival. You're celebrating in the locker room. That's really exciting. You're there when the student athletes graduate, that's great. On the opposite side, you you have a horrible loss, a game you should have won. Um, you have something that happens with one of your student athletes, whether it's you know something uh, something tragic to their family or something like that. So you have those highs and lows. At a conference office, you're kind of floating in the middle a little more. Um, you still have some highs and lows, but they're not nearly as dramatic. And so the day-to-day work is very different because at the conference level, you're not only dealing with all of the schools within your league, but you're very much dealing with national issues whether it be the expansion or discussion we're talking about of the uh, of changing the field of the FCS playoffs a little bit uh, to the transformation committee and the work they're doing and its impact on all levels of division one. And so those types of things, um, it's just that makes the day-to-day job different. No job is better than the other. There's still pros and cons to all of them. Uh, but, uh, but I really enjoy the conference life and dealing with all the different schools and the presidents and the ADs and the faculty reps and still get to touch the coaches and see the student athletes, not near as much as I did 
when I was an AD. Uh, but uh, but like I said, certainly enjoying the role uh, with the Big Sky. For a little background, Tom, you've been the Big Sky Commissioner since 2018. Give our listeners a little idea of what you were doing before that, because you've had a, a multitude of different positions within athletics and sort of working alongside universities and colleges around the country. Yeah, I, I have a fairly unique background. I was a Division three student athlete. I was a Division two commissioner. I was a Division one AD and now a Division one commissioner. And then uh, around that also worked for Learfield, uh, who is the multimedia rights holder for many schools around the country, as we know and uh, deal, dealt with them both on campus. I was the general manager at the University of Wisconsin for four years and then also in their corporate headquarters in Dallas. So I kind of feel like I've seen college athletics from all sides. Um, again, good and bad to every level, uh, but uh, certainly I've enjoyed uh, you know, the, my work at the Division One level and specifically, you know, I, you know, at the mid-major level, you know, being an AD at Akron and now the commissioner of the Big Sky, you know, where I feel like what we're doing at our level is truly what college athletics is all about. Um, because it's not about how do we turn 200 million into 500 million. Uh, it's about how do we provide a great experience for our student athletes? How do we represent our universities in a very positive way? We are the marketing arm for our universities and uh, people come in touch with, with our universities at our level. Uh, usually the first time ever is through an athletics event, uh, whether it's coming to watch a hockey game at UND or a football game at Montana State. And so um, we've, we've, we've really embraced that part of, uh, of being Division I. And uh, for me, it's a great fit, and I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. You know, Tom, you're talking about the uh, landscape a little bit, and I'm going to throw a curveball at Alex right now. You you can you can touch on the other question afterward, but let, let's just go because you're talking. Uh, you you touched on FCS playoffs, uh, so from what you know at this point in time, would love to get your perspective on what you think may or may occur as we're uh, discussing a few things. I think in that particular tournament and then just in general the landscape and i think you as a commissioner probably have had a little bit more um the ability to touch uh, president baker a little bit more at this point we look forward i think he's doing kind of an all-conference tour and so we have yet to um have him come to the summit league but he is scheduled so i i look forward to that but just your thoughts on where we are right now and uh you, what's in your crystal ball yeah so you know first starting with fcs playoffs you know, there's been a mandate that's come down to expand championships to 25% of the field size. Um, I think we've taken the approach, kind of the FCS leadership, both commissioners uh, and uh, the football committee, the selection committee, uh, and the ADs I've talked to of, let's not expand the tournament, but let's expand the number of seeds. Let's seed one through 16, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously you guys were caught up in a really tough situation last year in football. And, uh, and that shouldn't happen. And so if we can fix this and, and seed one through 16, have those bottom eight teams then regionally play at the middle eight, uh, we can still have some regionality there, uh, but we can have a much more true bracket. And, uh, and, and so I think that's, that's the push we're going with is let's seed one through 16. So, you know, if you're the ninth team, you know, you're going to, you're going to play a, a home game, just like if you're the 16 team, you're going to play a home game. But we, when you win those games, you're going to be put it, you're going to be part of the bracket. 16 would play at number one, if they would have, if they would win and so forth on down the line. So we just think that makes a lot of sense and is also the most fair to all our football programs. Now you're also on, we're also sitting here together. We have the two most powerful conferences in FCS on the line right here now. And we're going to, we're always going to have like 
10 to 12 of the 24 teams in the tournament. So it has the biggest impact on us, on our two conferences doing this. Um, but yet the other conferences know and embrace this. So we feel good about that. We'll wait and see how it plays out. It has to work its way through its system, both from a championship standpoint and a financial standpoint compared to all the other championships. So that's kind of the status report where that's at right now. Hey, Tom, do you think that that could be in play for this upcoming year? Is that a possibility or do you think it has to be go through the cycle and it's going to take another year to, to have that occur? We are pushing hard for it to be addressed for this coming fall. So I would say right now it's 50-50. I'd say it's really good that it happens someday. I'd say it's 50-50 that it happens this fall. And the reason is, like I said, financially you have all of these championships, 30-some championships, and they want all the information from all of them before they make their decision. We can get ours to them next week. But, you know, tennis and golf and baseball and others all have to kind of get their ducks in a row um, to, before they make the decision. So so time will tell. But the good thing is FCS seems to be completely aligned with where we want to go. And that's not the case in other sports, as, as we all know. Um, different levels don't always agree. In this one, we seem to be unanimous with our feelings there. So yeah, I, I, I'm excited about that. I, I do think that that one tweak will help the bracket significantly. I, I really do. This just it, there's been I'll, I'll call it weirdness throughout you know the years when you're you're going into the kind of the playoff realm and you're bidding and all of those types of things. That might kind of take some of that out of it. And if it took you know a situation to occur where maybe this is a um, opportunity for us, given the fact that the uh, that the association was asking tournaments to do some things too. It seemed like the moon and stars are aligning for us. Yeah, I agree. So, so stay tuned on that. But uh, we feel pretty good. So, as far as your other question goes about kind of the landscape, first of all, I've I've been with uh, President Baker now probably six different times, um, either via Zoom or in person. Um, as part of my role on the basketball committee, he's popped in our selection room a few times, and then he had, he spent probably an hour with us in uh, Houston at the Final Four and uh, was kind of using us like a focus group because we have all different levels of Division One on the basketball committee. And uh, I have been so impressed with him. You can tell not only is he smart politically and has an incredible background, but he's just a regular good guy and uh, and, and is a quick study. And most importantly, right now, what we need him for is to be able to navigate D.C. and figure out a way that we can have some national legislation to help settle the market around name, image, and likeness. And so, you know, I think that's real. I do expect something here, you know, I would say in the next 60 to 90 days to see something specific come onto the floor there in Congress. Um, it's the one thing that we can't fix on our own because all state, all these states have different laws. We need, we need that. And, uh, so, so that's a big first step. You know, I think our goal going into this and by, by, by us, I mean, 32 commissioners talk about this a lot, which is how do we keep everybody underneath the tent, knowing that there's huge differences between our schools on this call and Alabama, Georgia, Texas, you know, what it, the number one thing we have in common is is the basketball tournament, right? Men's women's basketball. Mm -hmm. And so outside of that, what allowances can we let people do to address their student athlete needs, facility needs, also still monetarily support Division One athletics in a reasonable fashion? And so that's what we've worked really hard on. 
And uh, so I still have a really good positive feeling about where we're heading and where we're going. And and if we can get that name, image, and likeness thing done, it allows us to at least govern ourselves in a way where, you know, yeah, does football maybe look different in three to five years? Probably, you know, I mean, those top schools, you know, they could do something completely different. Um, but they also have some conference membership stuff to sort out. And that could that could play out differently here in the next next few years. But um, but the first step is getting that the, the name, image, and likeness through Congress. That helps settle those waves. And then we can focus in on, okay, what do we want to be and what do we want to look like five to 10 years from now? Awesome. Yeah, certainly interesting times for, from an NCAA perspective of what's oh, going to happen next. You just never know what's coming down the pike. Tom, third topic for you. Two-thirds of this call are kind of associated closely with the Summit League. <clears throat> you, of course, have been with the Big Sky now for the last five years. The two leagues have had... A partnership the last couple of seasons on the basketball front to have non-conference meetings regularly with programs. That's been expanded, though, this year. If you could give us a little background in the Big Sky Summit Challenge and its new form that's going to start in full here for the 2023-24 season. Yeah, you know, so, you know, we had a very loose partnership that the conference is quite frankly right involved. So it was we're, weren't involved. It was really it was really Bill and and then Matt down at North Dakota State and then Leon and Kent at Montana State in Montana who said, "Hey, you know, let's just let's get some games together and start playing here." Uh, makes too much sense. And so we've we like most mid majors have trouble getting home games up north. So it's just something. It's just not easy. You know, we we we're out west, so we we work a lot with all the like the big west schools. You know, UC Riverside, UC Irvine, Santa Barbara. You know, and but those schools, they don't they don't want to come up into Montana and Idaho and eastern Washington for a game. So so we've we got really aggressive about two years ago trying to find a partner for this. And uh, then once Josh got hired at the Summit League, Josh and I started talking about it right away. And I said, hey, it's kind of already in place with these four or five schools. Hey, let's now that we have exactly the same number of, of schools, 10 each, let's make this happen. And so. Um, you know, I, we were really aggressive about trying to get Josh and, and uh, the ADs and coaches from the Summit League together. They were open to it. It's the same issue, right? It's it's how do you get home games for men's and women's basketball? And the way you do it is you create these challenges um, where everybody can play each other. And and uh, so we're really excited about it. You know, it's a three-year deal to start. We hope it lasts much longer than this. Because quite frankly, that issue isn't going away. We're still we're still going to have trouble getting home games. You know, nothing against Grand Forks. People don't like to come there in January. You know, I don't know why. Um, but uh, but I'm excited about it. It's going to provide a home game and an away game for each men's and women's team. I like where we're doing it, where we're setting the dates. And uh, I want to continue where where we place it in the schedule. We can have discussions about amongst the two conferences. But I think having the fixed day, one weekday, one weekend, I think that's a great way to do it, and uh, and we'll do our best to try to make the matchups. You know, as we we talked about, kind of having the teams in three pods, so you're kind of playing like opponents. But that that's gone out the window now because you know with the transfer portal, one player makes a team go from fourth place to first or or eighth place to second. Who knows, right? So we'll do the best we can and we'll mix it up. And uh, we're just we're just really excited about it. Get year one going. And uh, I think it's a great matchup. And we'll have some teams flying around the country to places they normally wouldn't be at. 
And it's very exciting. So quick follow-up. Uh, so uh, kudos to you and Josh for sure. And I know Dan Satter and Mindy K. Larson were instrumental in uh, hurting the cats, so to speak. And uh, I think we were one of the more difficult ones to deal with because we had had contracts, whatever. It all worked. So excited about it. I, I actually kind of sneaky like it where it's at right now uh in the calendar but i like the two games in a week because at the end of the day you can focus in right it's it's challenge week if you will do you think at this point in time um uh anything uh beyond what we can do with this at some point in time as far as uh, getting some uh some media exposure to some degree and and, and all that right obviously my my good friends at midco are going to probably be on with some of the games to some degree for sure but um anything, I guess, beyond just the games themselves. Yeah. I think that now that we've got it established, now we can start to dream about what it could be. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that's where the focus shifts now to is, you know, do we have a featured matchup that, uh, somewhere along the line that we can move to a national linear channel or something like that? Those discussions can happen now that we've got it established. You know, I mean, we threw all kinds of ideas against the wall. Like, you know, do you bring, you know, do you bring four teams to a, to a neutral site and play it, you know, kind of play four games in one day, you know, I mean, do you, you know, so th there's lots of different things there. Um, it, it best, it's best to start where we're going, we believe, which is, you know, people want home games and we need it for season tickets. We need it for our donors. Um, and so, you know, we start there, but no, Bill, I mean, I think the sky's the limit and let's see where it goes once we get this thing off the ground. Well, we're excited about it for sure. So I, I just, I'm glad it all came together. I was a little bit, um, feeling for for both conference offices trying to get that thing figured out but i i'm excited that it, it got done and uh i think it's going to be great for for both sides yeah to your point bill i mean you know it, kudos mostly go to mindy k and to dan uh from our office and mindy k at the summit league who did yeoman's work to uh to, to get uh um, all these cats in the uh in, in the barn let's say because uh as you know coaches don't like to give up non-conference games and they like to know who they're playing and where and those sort of things. So, you know, there's a little massaging, but, but the good thing is, is I, our, our ADs, Bill, you and the other ADs in the Simon Lake and the big sky totally bought into this. Let's let's go and let the conference people do their work and, and let's get, let's, let's get it rolling. I'm excited. Yeah. The old, uh, the old bracket busters that the problem to some degree was the return games in some way, shape or form. This one, you don't have to, think about having to worry about the scheduling portion of the return and it's just happening in the same year i think it's awesome yeah great thank you january 3rd through the 6th 2024 big sky summit challenge will get started for north dakota fans who of course were in the big sky for so long there'll be a sense of familiarity with those schools coming back to the betty and same story und teams going out to those places they're familiar with People are excited about this. So, Tom, thanks for your work to make those things happen. And thanks for taking some time this morning to be a guest here on the Bill Chavis Podcast. We appreciate your insight. Great to be with you guys. Keep up the good work up there. And, Bill, look forward to seeing you down the road, my friend. Sounds good, Tom. Thank you. Thanks again to Tom Wistersill, the Big Sky Commissioner, for joining us today. Again, great perspective. Fun to hear his thoughts from his chair uh, at this point in time here in the middle of May, Bill. Yeah, you know, it's one of these things that uh, – you're always trying to figure out what um, other um, 
either commissioners or athletic directors are thinking or hearing. And uh, um, it was encouraging. I, I look forward uh, to President Baker jumping on with the Summit League uh, athletic directors. That's going to be uh, great to hear him. I've I've been around him once at this point in time, and everything that Tom had indicated, uh, it was it, that's at least what I kind of gleaned when when I first uh, you know saw him as well. Is that I think he's got a pretty good perspective, a really just tremendous study, and just knows that for this um, for this whole enterprise to continue forward, you know, you do need to evolve. I mean, that that's no worries, but sometimes you do need, and I think we're on the most, uh, I'll call it negative side or critical side was, oh, you need governmental intervention. Well, not, not probably awesome in that sense, but when each state is doing different things and you're trying to compete across all 50 states, I, I think there's got to be a level of um, uniformity in certain areas. And that's at least the attempt at this point to uh, to go down that path. Because, you know, the one thing, Alex, he has said, and I, I, I agree with this, is that our student athletes they need if you're going to be in that NIL realm for recruiting aside like all of the stuff that we're we're talking about let's let's just say the purity of NIL you do need some consumer protection too like at the end of the day you need to know what your um what someone is saying to you is going to come to fruition and so i think that's kind of where we're at right now so I thought his angle is awesome at it. And so I look forward uh, in our, at our last pod, I think we're going to be potting on May 31st. I'll have um, had him a part of the summit league uh, meeting. Uh, so I I'm excited. I'll, I'll give a little bit of an update once we've done that uh, on our last pod. Yeah. That'll be a jam packed last pod, by the way, not to tease it too much, but multiple coaches potentially involved an update from that conversation with the new NCAA president We'll have a UND Midco um, iHeart Summit between now and then. There's a lot of different stuff going on between now and our final pod. You'll have gone to London and back, Bill. You will not want to miss the last pod of the year coming up at the end of the month. Let's just say that. Our producers got to work very hard to, to make that thing come, come, come to fruition for sure. <laughs> But I think I think we need to uh, we do need to bring on a few coaches just to kind of get a a, a touch a, a check in uh, post their seasons, and I think that will be exciting. Uh, so um, yeah, you're right. We'll, we'll we'll touch on a lot of things, and then we'll, then we'll take a little bit of a hiatus, and then uh, we'll regroup, take a deep breath, enjoy the summer, and then uh, be right back at it probably in early August. Yeah, it's a good plan. Good plan of attack for the future. So, But lots more to come, by the way, still on, on this pod and certainly in the last pod of the year coming up in three weeks. The rest of this episode is going to be all about a couple different things. Big news items happening around UND athletics. We're going to talk about championship weekends and softball and track coming up in just a sec. A little football news as well. But first, the big story really coming out today, Bill, on Wednesday the 10th, North Dakota number one again in the nation for community service hours amongst its student athletes, back-to-back times, you've won this ranking among schools using the Helper Helper platform. Over 6,900 community service hours. That's incredible for our student athletes built to be a part of the community in that sense. The tradition in history of giving back to the community started long ago. And so 
the only thing we do in the chairs that we are in right now is to embrace what's what's been done previously and then hopefully put our little you know special sauce on it while we're here and so uh in our our we have uh, a couple of different leadership groups uh, our student leadership groups our student athlete advisory committee and our uh, inclusion and diversity committee they are incredibly um dialed in with the community and want to do these types of things. And then Tyler Burmeister, and we've had him on the pod before, he does a great job of, um, that's kind of under his umbrella of student development. And it's amazing, you know, and then the last thing I'll, I'll say is our community partners as well. You know, it takes, it takes all kinds of uh, um, organizations and uh you know to to uh have our student athletes out there but it's a fairly well-oiled machine at this point in time and i think they uh the one thing i'm so proud of our students is that they've kind of passed down the the uh the baton to to the next class and so uh yeah just you know of course being ranked number one is awesome, of course. Um, but I, I think it's more about, you know, um, the significance of the impact that uh, our students have in the community. You mentioned passing the baton. I can remember being at UND football practices now over the years and in the fall, you know, at fall camp. And at the end of a practice, Coach Schweiger will always ask any other announcements for the good of the group. And it's neat to see different guys, different generations of guys stand up and say, hey, there's this great opportunity coming up this weekend to volunteer at this event. We'd love you to come out and sign up. I'll be here after practice. Like it's, it's the student athletes that have really taken on that role. And you see that it's not one or two kids. I mean, it, it just it, it transcends sports, transcends classes. And as you say, it's been so great to see that continue year after year after year. Correct. And, and uh, the only way this actually happens if it happens within that group, because ultimately you can't top down certain things. I mean, it has to be embraced by the actual, um, you know, participants, if you will. And so the one thing that we've noticed over the course of time as well is, you know, many, many of our student athletes, they achieve in all parts of their life. And, Academically, they achieve, athletically, they achieve, and certainly in the community. And when they go on, because many might go on to a master's degree, a med school, or something to that effect, but to be able to also say, this is what I've done in the community, and I have verified X amount of community hours, it's pretty impressive. I'll, I'll be honest with you. When you're talking about, you know, uh, when you're talking about possibly, uh, having scholarship opportunities. And, and when you're sitting on a committee trying to figure out, you know, here you have two unbelievable students for a certain scholarship. It could be a post uh, uh, graduate scholarship, but, but sometimes the differential could be the community service. This, by the way, marks the fifth consecutive year that UND is ranked in the top 10 in the nation in this metric, which is fantastic. Maybe give us a few specifics of what some, some of the different areas that our student athletes have been plugged into this year between our local food shelf special olympics uh cvic i mean there there are so many uh schools libraries i mean i i you know i if there's if there's an actual community uh organization i would dare say our student athletes are touching it that, that's what that's what I would say. That's how I guess broad at this stage of the game. The other thing that I would say is, and again, and, and it probably merits 
to some degree, maybe as we get into the next year's um, pod cycle to some degree, maybe we get TB back on again and he can kind of give us a, a little bit of a um, um, overview in that regard. Uh, but or we put him on the extravaganza on May 31st. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, you know, it's amazing how many organizations I I, I, I literally would say it, it feels like it, it's almost like 100 organizations that we, we've dealt with somewhere in that range. It's awesome to see uh, the, you know, young people doing this you know, for the good of the community and to help encourage and uplift and empower and, and make a difference for themselves in their own lives as well as the people they're affecting. Certainly, you're going to maybe not remember every game that you've played, uh, particularly, um, certainly not every practice that you had, but you will remember the impact you had on someone's life. Uh, I mean, it, to go into a school and, you know, who knows, right? Like read or, or do something that is, uh, you know, based uh, for the community, whether it's, you know, serving as a Halloween party, right? I mean, doing those types of things, th- those are memorable type of uh, opportunities, not for the folks that are, I'll call it receiving the benefit, if you will, actually the receiver is the giver. I mean, that's ultimately who it is. Yeah. That's usually how it works in these situations. That's for sure. So again, well done. Well done all the way around to our UND student athlete crew. Um, these student athletes are taking the field this weekend in some of their more important matches meets of the season. Um, softball getting set to get started today. As you listen to this, the first round will already be in the books, but UND softball making the summer league tournament for the fourth time since joining the league. They're playing South Dakota today in the four five matchup. Again, that game will already be over as you listen to this, but a great run down the stretch. We've talked about this a lot on the pod. The softball team had a difficult non-conference season with zero home games until the final week of the year. Essentially, the last weekend of the regular season was the first time they played at home. And yet they were able to rally in Summit League play. I think they went 9-10 and 10 in the conference. Perfect at home. They won four in a row to close the season out. They made this great push to make the tournament. And now again, regardless of what has happened already in Brookings and what will happen this weekend, job well done to Jordan Stevens and this crew for keeping their head up and fighting and making this season what it was. Yeah, I agree with you, Alex. You know, it was it was really kind of um, tough for the team because there, there was many games where we just lost, you know, in the, either the seventh inning or or just, you know, tight, tight games. And we just couldn't close it out. And then uh, and then it's, it's kind of turned over the last couple of weeks, which is great to see. And, you know, I like our chances against South Dakota today. You know, I mean, uh, certainly I know that they uh, they swept us two games uh, the first uh, uh, couple about a month ago, somewhere in that range. But um, I think we're a little bit different team right now. So uh, I, and I like the. I do like the tournament format. I'll be honest with you. You you make it three through six, and that first day single elimination, boom! Like you 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 got to bring it, and then you get then you can get into a double elimination deal. So, uh, um, but today, yeah, I mean, uh, two o'clock, we we got to be ready. I mean, uh, get get after it and see if we can play some uh, good softball. See if we can uh, get. A, I'll call it into the second phase of the tournament. Yeah, it is unique. I mean, six teams make it, but as you said. The top two get the benefit of having that safety net. You get an extra loss built in. The bottom four do not. It's it's lose and you're done. Anything can happen. Like you said, it's one game. Those USD games were all over the place. Weren't those games like in Omaha and in Sioux City? And like it's just the craziness of the beginning of the season with the weather. You almost have to throw those out just about against the South Dakota team. So we'll see what happens coming up today in Brookings. Yeah, I, I you know, and again, I, I match up aside. I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on the matchups. I, I really am really not. But I would say, though, 
you're right. That the, was so unique. The, us having played, it almost kind of feels like okay, let's play him on a neutral site and see what happens. <laughs> well, the hope is is that this weekend there is not the weather issues that we had last year, where there was a derecho, I believe is the correct word, where the the skies opened and the things turned green, and it was like eighty mile an hour winds and just ridi- ridiculous stuff. And the tournament had to be moved midway through to Vermilion because Brookings had lost power and like it just. We're going to assume that's not going to happen this weekend and that we can get these games in. And again, you can watch all those games from start to finish live on Midco Sports and streaming on Midco Sports Plus. So good luck to you and the softball coming up this weekend. Track and field, not having to go nearly as far, just 75 miles south to Fargo for the Summit League Track and Field Outdoor Championships. Events will start on Thursday with some of the distance events and the multis going. And then Friday and Saturday, things will continue with the champion being crowned on Saturday. You know, we had Jim Varenkamp on last pod to kind of give us a preview of what to expect. Mm-hmm. A lot of individuals will have chances to place high. Team-wise, he, he feels good that perhaps top four is possible. We're going to see what happens in Fargo over the weekend for this crew, who has been performing very well across the country as they've made their travels through the outdoor season. Yeah, if uh, certainly you want that update, go back uh, and you can listen to the last pod. And, and Jim does a really good job. I mean, really thorough as far as giving an update. Um, yeah, Eric and I are going to shoot down on Friday afternoon. We were trying to figure out a window in which there's kind of a lot of activity going on. So I think I think we've I think we've ironed into Friday afternoon some sometime. So uh, we'll go down 75 miles and uh, certainly uh, see what's going on down there. Excited, uh, excited for all of our athletes for sure. I can't tell you how much fun some of the outdoor championship track and field is. And I've, I've been there to cover that meet actually in Fargo a handful of times. And there is just an electricity and in college, college track meets typically don't have that. I mean, a lot of times they're a little more, a little more low-key, you're kind of doing your thing, and it's not quite so team-oriented during the regular season. And that flips because this is a team competition now. And you see kids, it, it harkens back to high school, kids running across the infield, cheering their teammates on, running down to see what's happening in the pole vault. They're running across to the long jump, and the 4 by 4 is going on. And you're, I mean, it's just a different animal. And the, the energy that goes along with this championship, if you like track and field, is really, really special. And obviously, these kids are outstanding at their individual disciplines, are, are so fun to watch. So if you have the opportunity to whether it's Friday, whether it's Saturday. If you love distances, again, there'll be the 10,000 on Thursday. Come out and take part in this and enjoy it because it is a special weekend. If you like this sort of thing, it's worth watching. I would agree with you 100%. I mean, the energy, um, you know, it's just, it's fun. It's an, I'll call it an individual sport, but it's it's made up of all individual um, events, but the team camaraderie, uh, especially when you get toward the end, is amazing. There's just nothing like it. I don't, I mean, no. it's, it's just really unique because, as you said, individual sport, but all these kids are coming together for one cause and knowing, yep. hey, if my guy can get sixth yep. instead of seventh in this race, that's another point for us. If we can just beat out this girl in the triple, that's another five points for it. Like, it's just, it's so fun to see that everybody gets that this time of year. It, it is a little bit like English soccer at the table, right? Like Mm. at the end of the day, every match has its, um, you know, its significance per se. If I'm going and there's eight in the race and I have to get fifth and I know my times and, and I, this might have to be the best I've ever run to try to get that done. And it's all for my team, which is awesome. 
Yeah, it's really special. So again, that's coming up this weekend in Fargo. Get out there and enjoy it if you can. Uh, should be really fun for UND and for the rest of the teams in the conference. Uh, you mentioned entertainment. Danny Freund has brought a lot of entertainment to the Alaris Center and around football fields across the country the last handful of years as the offensive coordinator of the University of North Dakota. This past week, he was elevated to associate head coach. So he's going to maintain the OC title and now take on this additional title as well. Give us a little insight on why the move was made. Why is now the right time to have Danny be in this position, Bill? Yeah, I think, you know, you're always evaluating your your staff and to see, uh, you know, what's transpired with with uh, each individual. Um, and uh, in talking with Coach Schweiger, I, th- I think he felt like this was the right time. Um, we changed uh, over in defensive coordinator. And, you know, so I, I think there was a thought process that um, given the background and everything that Danny's done thus far, it, it made some logical sense that we, we you know, we know if, if, if let's just say something ever occurred where like Bubba, couldn't be at a game for some reason. Things happen, right? I mean, they, they in life. And so at the end of the day, it's pretty natural at this stage of the game to know that your associate head coach would be the one, uh, you know, being uh, wearing the, the, I guess, the big headset uh, on that particular day. So, uh, but, you know, but beyond all that, you know, um, you know, Danny, Danny bleeds green for sure. And, uh, you know, he's done a, f- a phenomenal job. And I think it's just another um, kind of another, uh, opportunity for him in his journey uh, in, a, as a coach. So we're excited about it for sure. And, uh, um, you know, I, I really like our staff. I think, um, you know, Bubba's done a great job assembling that group. And, uh, you know, this year should be an exciting year for sure. I know there's a lot of anticipation uh, and excitement among that group. I would agree. Yeah. And this, as you said, this is a natural progression for a guy that's been a part of UND football first as a player and now as a coach for, I mean, going on 15 years, just about, I think when you add up all the years of service and, and multiple different positions, he's been a coordinator now, he's done a positions coach thing and in multiple different positions. It just makes sense. And we're excited to see him continue to be a great ambassador for UND in this new role while he maintains the same duties that he's been doing for the last couple of seasons. Uh, anything else, Bill, on your mind in terms of what's going on with UND athletics or the NCAA right now? One last thing uh, before we flip just briefly here um, is last week, our staff and uh, our student uh, leadership groups put on our annual night of champions. And uh, just a quick thank you to to everybody that that was there. Um, and, And Alex, this is more of, I'll call it a very I'll call it internal centric celebration, if you will. So it really is just our coaches, our staff and our student athletes. And, uh, um, you know, we go down to uh, the Empire Arts uh, Center downtown in Grand Forks, and it's an awesome night. It really, really is. And and when the weather cooperates like it did uh, last Wednesday, um, our students really enjoy it. And uh, it's done, you know, very, very uh, elegantly. It's awesome. And, you know, we had our uh, award winners and, uh, you know, it was hard. Like it it always is hard Mm -hmm. to to pick whomever it's going to be. But, you know, when you're comparing sports, it is like comparing fruit. Like it it could be the best orange, the best apple, the best banana, but, but the best pear, like, like, is that pear better than that orange? Is it, you know, I mean, I, it's the eye in the, in the beholder, right? So at the end of the day, uh, you know, excited about that. And, uh, you know, for everyone that was nominated, uh, they had great years and, uh, you know, that's what you want. You want it to be as difficult as it can be. So kudos to all. 
Yeah, it's, it's great. It's always a great night, special night for our kids at the end of the year. Another one of those benchmarks in the spring to get to this point in the year when you are giving out those end of season awards, end of year awards and recognizing these student athletes accomplishments over the course of a season. It's, it's pretty cool. It, it kind of puts a bow on it, right? I mean, it, to, to some degree, uh, it, you know, it, it, it gets all of our um, teams together, which doesn't happen many times. It just doesn't, you know, I mean, like every time we do it, it was like, boy, we should do this more often. Well, calendars and schedules just don't allow. I mean, that's just what it is. Everyone's on their own, on their own uh, calendar uh, and their seasons, you know, are different, but uh, it, it was, it was tremendous. And if you want to see all the winners, all you do is go to uh, fightinghawks.com and, uh, you know, search Night of Champions. And uh, we had, you know, an awesome video put together. And so that's on there. And then all the award winners are there as well. Very cool. Good. Good stuff there. Well, let's do a quick flip over to the B side, about 10 minutes or so to chat about a couple different things. Bill, where do you want to start? There's a lot going on between Red Sox baseball and the NBA and NHL playoffs and Tottenham Hotspur continuing to stub their toe in the U.S. Premier League. And hey, man, what, we won last week. We won, won last, last week. week. You got a big win last week. Big win last week to steady the ship a little bit. But let's start there. You're going to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium next week for the first time. Give us a little flavor on where you what, what you expect to see come next weekend for the Spurs? Well, the, the, the Spurs have three matches left in the season and uh, they, they've got three winnable matches, um, but they actually need to win them uh, because if they don't, they might find themselves either out of Europe next year in European competition, or they, they could solidly be in European competition. I think the top four is, is, is done uh, in my humble opinion. Um, but if they got nine points, you never know. I mean, but but the reality of it is certainly nine will get you uh, to the Europa League. And so and, and that wouldn't be the worst for them next year. I, I, I'd be OK with that. But, um, yeah, they play Villa this weekend at Villa and uh, that will be interesting. Um, and then, yep, Brentford at home. And that's a uh, that's the one that uh, Derek and I will be at. That'll be interesting. Their last home uh, match of the season, and then they uh, then they're on the road uh, that final Sunday where all the teams play at the same time. And so we'll see. We'll see. I you know a lot of chatter about potential manager. I you know we we change managers, Alex. It's <laughs> what we do. You got to keep going back into the barrel to find the right one. That's that's where you're at right now. It's pick up a fish and take a look and then throw it back after a couple months and then cast your net again and see what you come up with. But yeah, as you said, Spurs are in sixth. Obviously top four make Europeans big competition, six and five and six, sorry, make the Europa League and then seven, the beloved conference league that you've been a part of before. Uh, that would be the poison chalice that you would get to drink from next year if that's where you land. But again, it's you, you play teams that are kind of right behind you, but probably won't catch you, but could if things go poorly. So kind of important games, that Brentford game that you will see in person against the bees, kind of a big one there. Brentford top 10 in the table. Aston Villa is yeah. right behind you in eighth. Brighton's got a couple of games in hand. So it's all happening, all happening right now. For the, the, problem, the problem with Spurs, and I think Liverpool had dealt with this a lot as well, is they just, the only time that they've won recently is at home. And they just don't win road games. And so I'll be interested to see what they do at Villa this weekend. Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously they played a very entertaining game at, in Anfield, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was entertaining. That's entertaining. Yes. That's all I'll say. It's very entertaining. Two teams that maybe aren't really locked in defensively. 
<laughs> so if this would have been right, if, if this pod was taking place the day after that had happened, we would have spent like 45 minutes on this, but we'll just concise this up. So this match is on a Sunday. So usually on, on Liverpool game days, on Sundays, I'll just shut my phone off because we, we go to church in the morning, the kids have Sunday school. Like I know I'm, I'm recording the game and I'll watch it later and I, I just don't want to have the results spoiled. I get done with our, our duties at church and we get home and make the kids lunch and then we get our two-year-old down for a nap. And then I, I get ready to turn the game on and watch the match, which is unbelievable. This crazy 4-3, like Liverpool up 3-0. Spurs come all the way back. Richarlison scores this ridiculous somehow goal off a free kick in stoppage time to, to complete the comeback. And then Liverpool, of course, score like 60 seconds later. <laughs> to win the game 4-3, and it's Bedlam. I turn my phone on after this happens on my recording, and I have 23 text messages. <laughs> I'm on a thread with Bill and Polly Ralston and with Chris Logan from UND, all, all varying Premier League fans of, of different clubs of origin. And it's just hilarious. So look, read through these in, in real time for me to see how each of these men are reacting to, as a Liverpool fan, a Spurs fan, and an Arsenal fan, watching this match. It was, it was really funny. But I thought I never get to take part in these things because I'm always like five hours behind everybody. But uh, that, it, was, it was a full display of emotion from this group. Well, in, in the the high the highlight of the text message ultimately was Logan was right. He called seven goals. Seven goals. <laughs> he did. He just at one point didn't think that the Spurs would get any goals. Which why would you think after fifteen minutes it's three nothing Liverpool? Oh, he's just had a bad go as Lucas Moore. Like, hey man. I, he actually had a nice run with Spurs. That was weird. We score with literally a minute left, and then you just—it was like a knife through butter. I mean, I couldn't even believe that. It was hard. To, it, I shouldn't say I didn't believe it. I, of course, I believed it. It happened. It happened. But it was crazy. Yeah, Lucas Mora. This is the hero of the Champions League from yep. five years ago, from 2018, yeah. when they came back against Ajax and they moved on. Yep, and they they lost to Liverpool in the Champions League final. But that's he's they threw him in at like right wing back, and and so he's in a weird position that he's not used to playing. Liverpool kicks it long. He fields it and tries to play it back to someone. I'm assuming maybe Hugo Lloris. I don't know. He was a bad back pass right to Diogo Jota, who picks it up and scores, and that's the game. But. In any case, yeah, wild match. And that's why you watch. Like, that's why you don't shut off at 3 nothing. by the way, because you don't know what's going to happen, especially when our teams are playing. Ridiculous. Yeah, no doubt about it. Did you Did you think – what did you think of uh, – and again, Jota on, on skip. That was his, – his, his spikes were high for sure. I yeah. Certainly could have been a red. May, maybe – you've seen a, a way more. I mean, did you think that was fair, the, the, the outcome? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's one of those where if – so Oliver Skip is sort of, he's bending down. Jota's studs are certainly high, and he catches him in the face and draws blood. And But it could have been a coming together, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't yeah. as much of a kick. I mean, the ball's right there. He's kind of going up and doesn't see the player. I mean, we saw this a couple of years ago with Sadio Mane against Manchester City where he he's chasing after a ball, and it was a more of a violent kicking motion to the head of Ederson, the city keeper, and that was a straight red um, early in that match. This was more, the two were almost like standing still, I think. Yeah. So the violence of it was lessened. You're not supposed to take intense into account. Obviously, he was not intending to kick the man in the head. 
I, I mean, a ye- it was probably an orange. I think it's where they talk about how it's kind of between a yellow and a red. Yep. It's probably an orange. Yep. And in, in that case, you probably go with the lesser of the two penalties. So, but- well, I don't know if you saw Skip this past weekend, but whoever put that stuff on his head, it, it, I thought that they could do probably a better job. And in, in, and in I think they did it just to make sure that Liverpool saw that there was a lot of issues up there. <laughs> you looked like a mummy. I mean, it's, I, <laughs> I, I, it would seem like there would have been a better way to help him at that mm-hmm. point. But that was as uh, it looked like you were like scrounging around for some something to put on his head. And we just kind of saw a sheet and a little bit of a tape. And we just kind of stuck it all up there. 2023 we still haven't been able to figure that out how to stop the bleeding on someone's head during the midst of an athletic match it's just it's fantastic well i'm super excited for you and your son to get to go and experience all this you and derek are gonna have a great time so i'm excited to hear the full report coming up uh on that last part of the year it's gonna be awesome a couple quick hitters here are boston sports teams involved in various competitions bill socks looking pretty good i mean this this has been a great run they won eight in a row at one point they would be either first or second in any other division in the major leagues. Yep. They just happen to play in the American League East, and they're I, currently fourth. I right give now. them credit. I I think that uh, you know, and Kenley Jansen's been good, and so having a closer and then going backwards, I still think is a thing in, in 2023. I, I think that I, I think it settles a pitching staff, and I think they're in, in sales thrown well. I mean, he's got some velocity. Paxton starts on Friday. That'll be interesting. So they, it'll be interesting, Alex. I think um, I still am waiting, and I think he's uh, due to come back in the next month or so as Mondesi. And, you know, that might solidify some things too because he's pretty good defensively, right? And we can move Kike out of there. And But Duran's played well in center too, so good for him. And so all of those pieces, yeah, they've been better. They've certainly been better, but you're right. I mean, the Rays have been ridiculous. The O's are are, are much better. Their lineup's good. Yeah, Bubba Schweigert's Orioles, 24 and 13 right now. Three games up on Boston. Alec Johnson's Tampa Bay Rays still leading the division and leading all of baseball with just one win shy of 30 on the season to just nine defeats. Pretty good team down there in St. Pete's. Well, that's all the time we've got right now for this particular edition of the Bill Shaves podcast. A big thanks to Tom Wistersill, the Big Sky Commission, for coming on and chatting about all things NCAA. Big thanks to Bill as always and to our behind-the-scenes crew, Alec, Kelsey, and Paul. I'm Alex. Thanks again for listening. We will see you in a couple of weeks for the season finale coming up at the end of May. Enjoy the rest of the UND school year, the rest of the spring sports season. Best of luck to all of our athletes as they finish up their campaigns. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.